Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Dr. Slossy, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast once again. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really happy to be here. I'm happy to have you again. I'm glad you're on board and uh, we're going to talk about some uh, a little bit of sleep today. Great. This uh, is a hot topic. I mean, It's I a think, very hot topic. Yeah, I think some people don't think it's as glamorous as I do. Right. But let me tell you what a good, strong, solid sleep foundation will certainly make you look glamorous because sleep will restore your health. It will restore your beauty. It will restore your brain. I mean, we all need some sleep. And I think honestly, in this society, um, there's a lot of the idea of, oh, I can get by on four hours. I don't think it's true that you really need to sleep eight hours. I do fine on five or I like to stay up late. I don't think it's affecting me. And yet the same person who's staying up late and only sleeping four or five hours a night, they have health issues like they're overweight and they don't, they're not happy with that. And they're not as sharp in their brain. They think they're having um, you know, regular old age-related memory loss when really what they're lacking is sleep. Right. Well, it was because we, as a society, we kind of glorify sleep, don't we? I think we, well, what do you mean by that? I, think I mean, we but glorify we, glorify, we glorify not sleeping. Yeah, exactly. I right. think, I think that too. We, we like, it's like a status thing. Like, oh, I can work all night and I never, and you know, and I, you know, built my business at night and did my job during the day. And, you know, it's like this kind of, oh, wow. You know, like you're, he's so strong or she's so, she's so ambitious. She didn't even sleep. And I think that that's kind of detrimental thinking. Right. And and see the other side of that coin are people who actually want to go to sleep and can't. Yeah. And then they're really frustrating and that's really, that's painful actually, because they're trying to rest and they're up all night and they're looking at the ceiling and then they're feeling bad the next day and they know why. And it's just, that that's yeah that's a whole other right. kind of miserable side to this or there's the people that can't sleep and are taking a pill to get us to sleep yeah and uh so we have a lot going on here but also let's talk about what actually happens when we're sleeping because this is important because a lot of our body is i mean the good lord made our body to sleep to rest and, he, and our body replenishes the hormones and some other things when we sleep. Absolutely. And, you know, other things that we do during the day, like digest and move around, that's not happening. So the body is taking all that energy it usually puts towards digestion and towards moving your body around, towards restoring your body. And the only time it gets a chance to do that is when you're asleep, because otherwise you're thinking, moving around, being metabolically active. Right. But when you're sleeping, you're, well, you're still metabolically active, but not as much. And the, the body, really, the immune system gets a real chance to reset and recharge. And like you said, replenish hormones and things while we're resting. Well, yeah, because we, while we're resting, our body repairs damaged tissues and, and it also regen- generates uh, vital white blood cells for our immunity. So, I mean, that's something that we don't take into consideration when we can't sleep. We think, okay, sleep is just for me to be feel rested the next day. But it's actually your body, the ins- our, our body does a lot of things while we're sleeping. Yeah. So let's talk about what exactly does sleep do to our mind and body? I mean, there's a couple of different types. We have REM sleep. And we have non-REM sleep. Right. So there's the person who, you know, REM sleep is, it stands for rapid eye movement. 
And, you know, you, if you ever watch someone in REM sleep, you can actually see their eyeballs kind of moving rapidly. And um, this is a certain, it's a deeper level of sleep, right? Right. And some people don't actually get, and it happens after a few hours. So you cycle when you're, when you fall asleep, you kind of go through the first layer, then you go to a deeper layer and REM sleep is one of the deeper layers. The first part of the cycle is non-REM sleep. Right. right. So some people who, and I think it's, there's four different stages, right? Right. And if you don't reach that third or fourth stage of deep sleep, you're actually really missing out on when the body starts to take over and restore you and start to remove toxins from your body and process thoughts and and <clears throat> repair your damaged tissues and secrete, like you said earlier, secrete those hormones that don't get secreted during the day. You know, even making things like neurotransmitters, your body will make like serotonin, for example, in the light, but melatonin in the day, nighttime. So, so if you're not actually even sleeping long enough, you might not reach that deep level of REM sleep. And then you're really missing out on the chance for your body to restore itself. Right. Since functional medicine is, a, is about the interconnectedness of our body and the systems in our body that all function together, Let's talk about the interconnectedness, the things that we need to sleep. And I know a lot of people don't realize that they need a healthy gut to sleep. But that, and I know I preach gut health a lot, but it's so very important in all aspects of our life. Because not only does your gut cause disease, a healthy gut keeps you healthy. And in order, and and not only that, but 80 to 90% of our Serotonin in our is in our gut. Yeah, it's like and, brain. and serotonin is like the seed or the precursor to melatonin, which helps us sleep. Absolutely. So let's go. Let's walk through the process of what the gut and our microbiome have to do with sleep. So when you have, so just to orient all you Rebel Health listeners, your gut that Tom's talking about is essentially this tube, this 30 foot, approximately 30 foot tube that you have from your mouth to your anus. And it's actually coveted real estate. Um, The bacteria, the good bacteria, the bad bacteria, the yeast, parasites, protozoans, karyocytes are all competing for space in there. And Ideally, as a human being, what you want to have is mostly good, friendly bacteria. When you have bad bacteria or you have yeast out of balance, that's where you get sick. And this microbiome, this collection of bacteria and yeast and protozoans and parasites and karyocytes and parasites are actually 10, you know, if you count them up, there are approximately 10 trillion of those little guys but our cells only have 3 trillion. Like in one human being, you only have approximately 3 trillion cells. So this garden you have has this huge power over you, your genetics. So the genetics that you're walking around expressing from your 3 trillion cells is actually not as powerful as the genetic expression of those 10 trillion cells just be a number. So that's how important your gut microbiome is. And your gut microbiome, unfortunately, in this day and age, in this, this country, um, the standard American diet, so like like uh, bread and sugar, basically, or flour and sugar really promotes yeast versus a healthier diet, which is full of vegetables and good, healthy proteins and fat will encourage the the bacteria because the bacteria will digest those fibers. And so what happens is when you get out of balance, like let's say you're eating too much sugar and flour, first of all, the sugar is going to affect your sleep, but that that could be a a topic for later on. (laughs) But you you start to get an imbalance in your gut. And then when you have an imbalance in this microbiome, you're not going to be creating some of the neurotransmitters that your gut creates. Like for example, 
serotonin, the one that you said is the seed to melatonin, you create that with in your gut with bacteria and carbohydrates. And melatonin, which is created through in the same way, but with darkness, in the darkness, is also stems from that. And then the other neurotransmitters, dopamine, GABA, tryptophan, tryptophan converting into 5-hydroxytryptophan and things like and then tryptophan, 5-hydroxytryptophan converts is also is is the precursor to the serotonin and the melatonin, right? right. And then yeah. there's things like GABA, which I just mentioned, where GABA is the like calming down neurotransmitter. So having copious amounts of GABA is also going to help you to rest. You know, and serotonin is a feel-good hormone. And we know that people who are depressed who are on what are called SSRIs, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, they actually have real disturbances with their sleep. And sometimes often when they get on a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, meaning the serotonin stays in their brain longer, they end up sleeping better, you know? But, you know, it's it's usually people who are depressed, they, they either can't sleep or they sleep all the time. So there's definitely, we definitely can take all of this information and deduce that, you know, we've got to remain, you've got to maintain a healthy gut to maintain healthy neurotransmitters to be able to sleep properly and be in balance. Which is, which is, I mean, this really boils down to why people, I mean, a healthy gut actually reverses depression at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing is there's definitely an association with probiotics really helping people with depression. But basically, your poop and sleep are interconnected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are two fundamental naturopathic questions that I think yeah. most naturopaths right. and health coaches, I'm sure, are going right. to be working on is how are you pooping and how are you sleeping? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the first questions on my mouth when I'm, when I'm looking at a person's intake form or health history is how are they sleeping? And when I get them on the phone and we talk for the first time, I want, I want, I have to actually dig deeper into that because a lot of people say, oh, I sleep okay. Well, what is okay? Mm-hmm. You know, okay to me is a good eight hour sleep. Yeah. Okay so to them. Human, I mean, adults, we need seven to 10 right. hours of sleep a night. And usually when I say that the number 10, people look at me like it, it's crazy, but right. this is based on what we know, what the science says about sleep, seven to 10. And most of us if are not even getting seven. Right. Or maybe no. some of us are getting about seven, you know? Right. And I know like I have, a, I track my sleep on a, through my watch, which is, so I, I get like last night was six hours sleep. And it shows a deficiency. It showed my actual, my, my phone actually tells me I was deficient for 15%. So, you know, that's, so now we have ways like a, there's a ring out called the aura ring. Have you heard of the aura ring? No. That, that is actually, uh, you wear, it's like a ring and you put it on and it tracks your sleep and gives you a really good printout of it. Uh, of, it really gives you a good basis of what your sleep's like. Yeah, I know like the Fitbits yep. that count your your steps. Right. They can also help figure out track your sleep. Right. Uh let's talk about uh cortisol. I want to go dig a little deep, deeper into cortisol levels and in, in sleep and this you know cortisol is a, this a stress hormone. But there's also part of the the feedback loop for sleep, the rhythm, our circadian rhythm. Yeah. Want, can you just go through that a bit for us? Sure. Well, cortisol is the hormone that gets secreted by your adrenal glands, and right. it's the hormone that gets you going. So when you wake up in the morning, you get a general increase in cortisol. And for most people, it increases to eight at around 8 a.m., and that's when it peaks. And then it slowly goes down until you go to bed at night. I think it kind of levels out around 2 or 3 p.m. And then it goes lower and lower and lower. And then you go to sleep. But us as 
again, I think it's part of our culture. And in this country, we're definitely coffee drinkers in general. And, and we're, we definitely are used to being in a stressed out state so much so that stress is actually normal for us. <laughs> but unfortunately, when you're stressing out, you get another surge of cortisol. So, you know, your cortisol level might peak at 8 a.m., but instead of going down, um, you know, the graph little by level, little, you get a bill in the mail or a traffic ticket or you see your boss walk by your cubicle or your child, you know, I don't know, misbehaves or whatever. And you, you secrete cortisol levels more and more cortisol during the day that the level doesn't quite taper off as it should. And um, then if you add stuff like caffeine from coffee, that will also increase your cortisol levels. So we're walking around um, us human beings as with higher levels of cortisol than we really, really have any business secreting. Um, And then what happens with some people is eventually this high cortisol during the day, they'll have a high cortisol during the day and then it'll just kind of drop and then they'll be almost exhausted all the time. Like we talked about that last time, chronic fatigue, sometimes your adrenal glands are just exhausted and can no longer secrete any more cortisol. And so you're always operating at a lower level of cortisol. So that's one thing that can happen. Um, You can just feel exhausted all the time and sleep does not seem to really restore you. The other thing that can happen is you're squirting out cortisol all day and your body's still doing this, but then it sort of tapers off during the night, but then you kind of get this second wind because your body is like, even though, you know, his or her cortisol has tapered off, she's still going. She's still thinking. She's still writing emails. She's still working. And the body will give you another cortisol surge. And then you get that 10 p.m. second wind. And then you're like, okay, it's time for me to wind down. And, you know, midnight passes and you're still feeling awake. But really your body's ready to sleep. But because of the cortisol surge, you're, you're feeling, your sleep gets really difficult, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I am a walking, this is a perfect example of the way I have been for a little while. And I've just recently got to a point that I can actually sleep now. But I was on an SSRI and I took myself off, I weaned myself off of it. But during the weaning process, uh, it was a point where I would stay up. I would just sit there in bed just and can't fall asleep. But here's a problem. And this is a lot of people do this when they can't fall asleep. They get up and do something. Exactly. And what happens then is your cortisol goes up because mm-hmm. it thinks you're, you want to, the, your, your system thinks you're going to be, be awake. So your cortisol spikes because, hey, it's time for me to get up and do stuff because you started getting up and doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. I had a patient and she said to me, oh, I'm having such a hard time falling asleep. I try to exhaust myself to sleep. So I'll be tired, but I'll like pull out the bucket and the mop and start mopping the floor because she's trying to like really tire herself out. But it doesn't work that way because if you're tired and you start mopping the floor then your body says, oh, she's not ready to sleep. She has to mop the floor for some reason. And we, as her body, we support her. So let's secrete some more cortisol. And then she, and then you're really in trouble. Right. And the other thing is, is that, and one of the reasons I actually address sleep with my clients right off the bat is because if you can't, if you're not getting a good night's rest, it's going to be harder for me to reverse any disease in your body. It's going to be harder for me to help them lose weight because of the, of that, the sleep itself, there's a lack of sleep. Yeah. And like we said in the beginning of the podcast, sleep is really where you restore yourself. It's where you detoxify. It's where you secrete things that you need, like growth hormone. Um, Your body sort of does all the things that it can't bother itself with 
when you're awake, because when you're awake, it's really working on helping you digest, helping you to move around and, you know, do the, the metabolic functions of daily living. It's really only when you're sleeping that your body can take over and do other stuff. Like when you're not thinking, when you're not moving around, when you're not, you know, the, the energy spends a lot, the body spends a lot of time and a lot of energy on digestion. Right. Let's talk about, because uh, especially with women in menopause, sleep is an issue for them. Yeah, so with, with women in menopause, it's a little, okay, so wow, there's so much on sleep. We could do like, I know. shows on sleep, but basically what's happening with women in menopause is, so as a menopausal woman, you or, or as a woman, you, and even men, but mostly as a woman, you secrete progesterone, progesterone and estrogen. And estrogen is the female hormone, and progesterone is the hormone that goes up when you are pregnant, for example, but you're secreting both at different, at, you know, both uh, during your cycle, which is from the first day of your first menstrual period to the last day before your next menstrual period. But what happens with menopause is you start to lose these hormones. You start to lose your estrogen and progesterone. But with menopause, the first one you start to lose is progesterone. And progesterone is, it's the pregnant hormone. It's the hormone where you sort of sit and you're satisfied and you're happy and you're able to sleep, you know, and that's why menopausal women, some of them go through a rough time. It can be um, emotional for them. They can get irritated quicker because they're losing that hormone that helps keep them satisfied and helps them to sleep. So if they're not feeling satisfied and they're feeling like they can't get a good night's sleep, they're going to get irritated. And then that kind of spurns out more. Then you're not making enough serotonin, which is the seed to melatonin. And then it sort of feeds on each other. And then sometimes when you lose progesterone first before losing estrogen, we live in a very estrogenic society. So most of us already have too much estrogen. And then that makes you even more estrogen dominant. So there's, you know, there's just <laughs> Other things like obesity becomes harder to get rid of. Um, you know, you're you tend you can be more toxic. You can you know there's so it kind of everything sort of compounds, and then and then if you're not resting and you're not restoring, there becomes like a deficit every single day, and it's just one thing building on top of the other. So, as naturopathic doctors and as health coaches, a lot of times some little lifestyle shifts is all that's really needed to kind of change things around, you know? Let's talk about like sleep hygiene. Let's go into sleep hygiene a little bit. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that I've recommended in the past for like is, is blue light blocking glasses at night. One of the big ones that helps a lot with my clients is, is adjusting your temperature down in your bedroom. Because really the purpose of your bedroom is for sleep. Yeah. But so many people put the TV in their bedroom. Yeah. Some people use their bed as, you know, a, an office desk. You know, you, you're, you're, oh, I'm going to sit in bed and I'm going to bring my notebook and my pen and my light bill and my tablet and I'm going to pay some bills. I'm going to answer some emails, but I'm going to do it from my bed so it's relaxing. But right. it's, it's not actually your bed is really supposed to be for sleep and for sex and that's it. Right. You know, no, you know, you should really keep everything out of your bedroom that would distract you from this. So I agree that a TV should not be in the bedroom. Um, the problem with TVs in the bedrooms too is sometimes people turn on the TV to fall asleep and then they fall asleep, but there's still a TV running with the blue light and the, and the noise. Exactly. You know, and then, I recommend those blue light glasses too, but ideally what would be best is no screens past a certain time, you know, and not even right before bed. Like some people will say, oh yeah, I, when I go to bed, I don't go to bed with my phone or my screen or my tablet or my laptop or my TV on, which I think is great. But ideally if you stopped maybe even an hour and a half before you went to bed. See, that's the thing. That's a, that's an important point is, you know, Tom, I don't know when you, when your daughter was younger, 
did you have to like have a little sleeping ritual to put her to bed? Right. And little ones, it's, you know, your pajamas have to be on, your teeth have to be brushed. You know, maybe we're going to read a bedtime story. It's the same thing with us adults. We need, you have to put yourself to bed. It doesn't just like you run around, answer some emails, mop the floor and then drop in your bed and you're asleep. It's just, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) I think at some point, maybe when we were teenagers, it could work like that a little bit. But honestly, in general, we have to, we have to have a sleep time ritual and we, everything has to be just so, you know, so if we remove screens from the beds and we sort of shut the screens off an hour and a half before bedtime and we turn the lights low and we're in our PJs and we've brushed our teeth and maybe we have a bedtime story, but maybe, but from a book, not from a screen, or maybe we cuddle on the couch with a loved one, a spouse or a girlfriend or boyfriend or kid, child or pet, you know, or yourself. But it's time, it's it's cuddle time, it's relax, you know, get some of those parasympathetic hormones going, the hormones that get that are the opposite of stress, you know, where you're really starting to relax and you're starting to take things easy. And turning the lights down low, I think, is helpful because you're less, you're less, you know, there's less stimulation, you're less likely to to notice something that you have to do, it sends a message to the body. And then you might even want to drink something like a sleepy time tea, a chamomile tea. Um, And you might want to, you know, like I have five loud children. And at some point I say, okay, it's time. It's quiet time. And they have to listen. Not all the time, but, (laughs) 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 you know, but you have to sometimes it's frustrating, but the point is you have to try. You know, you right. have to try and you have to teach them these habits that it's, if it's quiet time for them, it's quiet time for mommy and daddy too, you know, and creating that sort of ritual is going to be really, really important for getting you into bed. It's, it's turning on a message. It's, you know, we work on those circadian rhythms and we're not, you know, that's the other thing is we're diurnal in nature as human beings. We're not nocturnal. If we were nocturnal, you know, like an owl or a rat, then we would do a lot of activities at night, but we're diurnal in nature, but yet we don't expose ourselves to natural light. A lot of us are only exposed or maybe both exposed. We're exposed to electricity way after bedtime. So the lights are on, maybe all the lights in your house are on, you know what I mean? And um, we don't even know when sunset occurs. We just look out the window, oh, it's dark already. And so we don't have that natural, you know, if we were all living outside or living more in nature or living without electricity, there would be more of a natural wind down time, sunsets here. So it's time to calm ourselves down. We don't have that message oftentimes. We're in our apartment, our house, you know, whatever. And then we might shut the curtains, but it's still bright inside our house. So there's a real disconnect there. And all of this has to do with sleep hygiene and getting you to sleep well. And so if you're sitting there just thinking like you're frustrated because you're not sleeping and you're maybe taking doctor's medications or maybe trying out some supplements, if you don't have this sleep, you know, this to, you know, if you don't practice good sleep hygiene, I don't think any of that will really right. support you in the long run because because your your body has to naturally calm down and tell you to get ready for sleep. Right. Supplement might be a you know you might have a sedative, you might have melatonin, or you might have a a sleeping pill, but that's just kind of knocking you into a different state where really you have to learn to put yourself in that state yourself. Let's talk about that a little bit because, uh, I mean, I, I know that myself, I was have a tendency to bring my iPad to bed and I've, and, or a phone. Yeah. And I've stopped doing that. Great. I also got blackout blinds. Excellent. Yeah. And yeah. So really making your bedroom like that place for sleep. Right, yeah. and that's what it's right. You said, like you said, sleep or sex. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, blackout blinds. I took, I put my phone. I don't even bring my phone in my bedroom anymore. Yeah. 
I had I did a little bit a couple of weeks ago because my mom's been in out of the hospital. So just in case they had to call me, I'd put it on my dress my dresser across the room, and just in case somebody had to get a hold of me. Yeah, I mean, I think all of us are, you know, we're addicted to our smartphones. It's like okay. it's it's worth you know that feeling maybe before cell phones existed where you left your wallet at home and you feel a little bit funny out. Right, like right. now it's crazy. It's like you leave, leave your phone in the other room and you feel a little bit odd. <laughs> and so for some of us who are like that, I definitely suggest putting your phone on the dresser across from the bed, just like right. Tom said, because first of all, if you use it as an alarm, It'll make you get up in the morning. Right. You know, that's one thing that's for sure is you're going to have to get up to, to go retrieve your dresser, to retrieve your phone from the dresser across the room. Right. But I do think it reduces temptation. It, it, you will, you know, it's there, so you feel okay, but you're not going to be as tempted to pull it into the bed with you. Right. The other thing is uh, I started setting my temperature at 65 at night. When I go to bed. Yeah. So heat will wake you up. You know, I see this with my children all the time. My husband does not like to turn the temperature low. And I, there's not, I feel that I sleep the best when the temperature is low and you have a nice cover on top. Right. Oh, I love that. You, your breathing is better. Um, but I noticed that our, my husband keeps our house kind of hot and my children, they, you know, my children can sleep really well but even when they're hot i notice if they're sweaty they start kicking the covers they're rolling back and forth trying to get the covers off you know and they, they have little beads of sweat on their head right. and i know it's not the same as sometimes when you see them and they're just knocked out you know so i think that's absolutely right if you can keep the room at a cooler temperature and these days they have these beds that you can even buy that are temperature regulated. I'm sure they're thousands of dollars, but this is why, because it's based on, on the research. Oh, and you told me about this chili pad. The chill, yeah, <laughs> chill pad. Chill pad. Tell me about it. It's a, a pad that they use as a water to generate cool surface as you sleep. Okay, great. So it's kind of like, so you just put it under your where you sleep, the place where you sleep, and uh, slip it underneath the sheets, and you, it just chills. So it brings your body temperature down at night, which has been known to show better for better sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's. I mean, the other thing you know that is like silence. I mean, you know, let's yeah. you know, like goes along with turning your TV off or not having your TV in your bedroom to begin with. Yeah. But also, I mean, I just recently purchased a thing called the Huzo, and I'm going to have the gentleman on my podcast coming soon. But the Huzo is does binaural beats. Yeah, binaural beats. Yeah. And yep. You and, can uh, even just turn on YouTube. And okay. buy urinal beats into the. Okay. And you, but then right. you have a screen. Yeah, right. Then you have your phone but you in your can, But you can, you know, experience buy urinal right. beats for even, it, it can even help you with managing pain like that. So. I, this Huzo has changed my life. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, I, I, I reached out to him this week about being on the show, but it, you put a pad. On your wrist, both wrists, left and right wrist, and a pad on your ankle. So these are ac acupuncture points, supposedly, the wrist and the ankles. Uh huh. And you put these things on your wrist and ankles, and it plugs into this box, and you plug your headphones into the box. And those okay. pads, it's, for 30 minutes, you get this binaural beat. Uh huh. And those pads vibrate. As the beats, as you're laying there with the beats. So uh, there's a lot of nights I put it on and I fall asleep and I wake up in the middle of the night having to take my headphones off and my those pads off my arms and lay. Uh -huh. But it is it, it's changed. I'm telling you, this machine has changed my gut health. Wow. How long health. have you been doing it for? A month. Wow. 
It's changed my gut health and it's changed my attitude. Not only that, but I do it a half an hour before I go work out. I do it for a half an hour before I go work out and uh-huh. my workouts have become better. Wow. I don't know much about it. I know. I don't either. That's why I wanted him to come on the show because it's changed. My, I'm telling you, this is a, I, I, I lent it to a friend while I was away on my fishing trip last week and I haven't got it back yet. <laughs> so I'm like I'm stressing because I don't. Have, I mean, my I want my I want my huzo back. Wow, that's so interesting. I'd want to look into it, but yeah, yeah I mean, I've heard um, like how, what I said earlier. You can go on YouTube and type in biurnal beats, and there's usually like some kind of screen with you know geometry on it, and they're playing the biurnal beats, and it's supposed like supposedly you just listen to it for a couple of minutes right before you work and then you've got more productive uh, work time, more focus, right. more concentration. So that's that's interesting. I can't yeah, listen to the podcast. And also for health coaches, they have a, a one that you could use for your clients. They have a, a machine that's bigger and so you could have two clients at, on both sides. Like if you had two and you could do like they have a like a, a heavy duty version of the one that I got mm. for for clients for like if you're a doctor or you have a clinic or you have a um, like say you have a massage therapy studio or they can do this for half an hour. Uh-huh. It's, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Wow. Interesting. And now for some general housekeeping. First things first. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute. Go into your app and rate and review this show. Then share it with your friends. This would mean the world to me. Next up, to join my mailing list for newsletters and other emails, text RHCP, Rebel Health Coach Podcast, RHCP to 22828. Again, text RHCP, to 22828. I promise not to send you endless emails. Believe me. Who has the time for that? Now, to grab a free 20-minute consultation with me, go to my website and on the homepage, at the bottom is a red button that says book now. Click it and schedule your consultation with me. I will have you fill out an intake form so that during our consultation, we can discuss what I can do for you and also see if we are a good fit to work together. You can find the link in the show notes also. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the episode. Let's talk about smells too, because this is, I know lavender is one of my go-to. Oh yeah, lavender I think is everybody's go-to. But yeah, the essential oils, that's what you're referring to, I assume, Tom, can really uh, help you relax, you know, it gets you into that parasympathetic rest and digest phase, you know, there's the sympathetic the sympathetic side where you're, you're this, the fight or flight where you're stressed out and you're fighting a bear or you're running from a bear, but really you're fighting, you know, with your coworker and you're Mm -hmm. running from your, you know, light bill and the rest or digest is the parasympathetic response where you're resting or digesting. That's why, you know, we talk about sleep hygiene now, but that's why the word sleep hygiene also comes from food hygiene because people or eating hygiene, I should say, because you really need to stop. This is a whole other show, but just like eating on the run is terrible for you because you're not in getting in the parasympathetic response. I'm trying to sleep when you're stressed out doesn't work. So essential oils like lavender especially can really help you get into that mode, can really help you relax. Smelling the essential oil affects the limbic system in your brain, and then in turn turns on the parasympathetic response. Um, and these days, like I, you know, I, I like to use some of these essential oils now. These essential oil companies come out with combinations. I mean, right, you can right. make your own combination, but one I use is like 
called calming blend, you know, and I don't, I honestly don't even know what's in it, but it's, I know lavender is in there and I find it really, really helpful. Right. You can put it on a, on a diffuser, which is like a little contraption that kind of pushes steam through it. So it goes throughout the room or you could just drop a couple of drops on your pillowcase. Yeah. I put a lavender on my pillowcase and I also like, when I'm sitting in here working at night in my office, that's one of the problems of having an office at home is that I sit here and work till like 10 o'clock. Yeah. But, but when I get to 10 o'clock, I'll, I'll bring in my lavender and put it on my wrist and just smell it as I'm finishing up. So when, it, when, I'm go, when I go to bed, I'm, it's, I'm calmed down. Oh, that's great. So that's like part of your right. sleeping time, sleep time ritual. Right. Yeah, totally. Now let's talk about like limiting fluids before bedtime. There's some other things you can do. A, a constant schedule, like a getting on a, a regular clock, so your circadian rhythms can operate off your clock. So you want to try and go to bed at ten o'clock, or, or you want to have a time set time to go, that you're going to go to bed. Yeah, I think that's really important, even on the weekends. Right. You know, like you go to bed at the same time and you wake up at the same time. And I always advise my patients, this is a good sleep hygiene tip, is to set the alarm to go to bed. Oh, yeah. So your, alarm, your alarm goes off at nine. That means you have an hour to get in your PJs, brush your teeth, you know, have a calming down ritual, drink some sleepy time tea, so that by 10 o'clock you're in bed. And I think, I think because people do get that second win and with the timing of sunset and electricity and all that stuff and sunrise, I think that 10 p.m. is a fairly reasonable time for us as humans to shoot for. Right. You know, I'm pretty well, good. You're, you're going to have exceptions to that when you have Aunt Joe's party or. Absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, I don't, I don't myself, I would like, I shoot for 10, but I usually am proud of myself when I'm in bed by 1030. Right. You know, and you know, I always thought of myself as a night person because even as a child, I could stay up, but I want people to try on the fact that they're not really night people, that they've just kind of are getting that second cortisol and that maybe if you tried going to bed early, even on some nights, really tune in and see how you feel. Like I have a friend and every Wednesday, their whole family, they call it like go to bed early Wednesday or something. Their whole family tries to go to bed at like 8, 8, 8 p.m. And they don't always make it. Sometimes it's 9 p.m. But in general, she's getting a couple more hours of sleep than she would normally. And she really notices a difference. I notice a difference too. Like if I, if there's one day where I really get to bed earlier, then I feel much better the next couple of days, especially if I've been not getting enough sleep. That's enough testimony to tell me that even if you get more sleep, randomly like if you you know i want you to shoot for the same time to go to bed and the, and the same time to wake up but if you can get a couple hours extra in then you're making up for any sleep debt which is a real thing sleep debt that you've that you've incurred over time from the past another thing is that i also encourage people to consider going to bed early as better for you than sleeping late Right, right. You know, because like, like you, like we were just saying is you, your circadian rhythms are um, very much in tune with sunrise and sunset. And I think that already as a whole society, we are, we have shifted to sleeping later and it's way more common for most people to go to bed way, way hours and hours past sunset. But, but not as efficient if you go to wake up hours and hours after sunrise. You know, people who get like, let's say you get eight hours of sleep from 10 to 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. It's not the same as if you go to bed, if you get that same out of eight hours, like let's say you go to bed at 3 a.m. and you wake up at 11 a.m. People doing that are not as healthy 
as the people who are going to bed earlier. So I guess what I'm saying, take home message, go to bed and wake up, try to go to bed and wake up at the same consistent time every day. But if you want to catch up on your sleep, go to bed early. All right, let's dig into, uh, oh, I, I wanted to touch base on insulin resist or insulin and blood sugar and sleep. Yeah, that's a whole other aspect. That's really important. If you don't have balanced blood sugar, your body sees that as an emergency. And if your blood sugar is really low, for example, at night, your body's you're gonna get you're gonna wake up because your body's wanting you to go to the fridge or go out to the field and pick some vegetables and eat them. <laughs> like that's what that's what your body wants. Also, if you have if you have consistently high blood sugar and a lot of insulin sleeping, um, swimming around in your blood, that can contribute actually to low blood sugar at night. And then you get into what's called gluconeogenesis. So the diabetic who's saying that they're always waking up into high blood sugar, that's actually what's happening is they're having too much insulin swimming around in their blood that all their blood glucose gets eaten up. And then in the morning, they're waking up with very high blood sugar and then they're not eat, like it basically it it feeds each other so if you're not getting enough sleep there's going to be a, a higher chance of you developing something like diabetes and then conversely if you're going to bed without a balanced blood sugar then you won't be able to get better mm -hmm. deeper more quality of sleep and then you know one feeds the other is that kind of what you're referring to yeah exactly and what is what is in your toolbox to counteract that to help people sleep through the night well i actually think that if you're a diabetic waking up into high blood sugar readings to me that means that you are not well you're not obviously controlling your blood sugar but eating something like a small a little bit of protein before bed can help keep your sugars balanced but what that's short term in the long term most of us need to have good quality proteins and fats and vegetables at every meal and snack. I think that what happens is you're when you're eat, living on carbohydrates and sugar, you're going to always in, you know increase that insulin response, and then you're not gonna then you're going to have these blood sugar problems that disturb your sleep. So if you can eat. Every, you know, don't like more than four hours go without eating unless you're doing intermittent fasting, which is a whole other thing. But in general, to keep balanced blood sugar, whether you're a diabetic or not, you should eat every three to four hours and it should be a protein, fat, and a vegetable. That's ideally what, what I think you should do. And then when you start secreting less and less insulin, then you're going to have more balanced blood sugar. Then you're going to have a deeper, more restful sleep. And then that deeper, more restful sleep is in turn going to help you control your blood sugar levels. And it's like health can compound too. So you can become healthier and healthier as you focus more on treating yourself right. Yeah, I remember when I was a diet, when I had my diabetes, that, and when I was reversing, when I was going on that journey we talked about before we started this show episode, when I was on my weight loss journey, one of the things I did, not knowing what I know now after going through all the schooling I've been through, is I would take a protein shake at night before I went to sleep. And it really, really, really helped me sleep. So Yeah, so perfect. So, so yeah, a protein shake before bed. Um, you could do like a little nut butter on a half of an apple if you can handle the sugar from the fruit. Or maybe... Um, a little almond butter on a celery stick, or you could do, if you can handle dairy or get a alternative type of yogurt, like a coconut yogurt, and you ate just half of it, just half of a little coconut yogurt or a half of a little bit of almonds, or maybe 10 almonds, 10 or 12 almonds, or, or some walnut pieces, or even a tiny piece, like a, two bites of salmon, you know, a little piece of chicken breast, one like turkey slice, yep. just something small or, or like Tom's protein shake. These things can help balance your blood sugar and make you sleep deeper and better. Now let's dig into uh, supplement and what's in your toolbox for supplements that help you sleep. I know melatonin is a big one that gets tossed around. 
Yeah. Well, melatonin is not my first one for sleep, but I actually really love melatonin. They're finding, I think that, and this might be an interesting topic. I think that some people are saying that if you take too much melatonin, then you kind of stop your body from creating its own. Right. But they're finding that it doesn't really seem to affect you in that way. And that they can, and one way they know this is that they actually can give melatonin to children and there's really no side effects. It doesn't really affect them negatively. It can only help them to sleep. And there's some amazing side effects with mel or side benefits of melatonin, like high dose melatonin in 20 milligrams or more is is really anti-cancer. It can actually put cancer to sleep, so to say. But just for sleeping, you would want to take a minimal dose, like one to three milligrams to help you to sleep. And with all sleeping supplements, I don't suggest you take it once and say, oh, it didn't work for me. Or take it three random times and say, it doesn't really work for me. You really have to, to, just like you need to consistently try to get yourself in bed by a certain time and wake up at a certain time, you should also take some sleep supplements regularly before you can, for at least, I would say at least three weeks before you can say it does or does not work for you. I usually don't necessarily start with melatonin though, though that's a typical one that we all hear about. I'll usually start with something as simple as magnesium because magnesium, it's the number one human deficiency. So most of us need more and magnesium can help our minds quiet down. It can help us handle stress. It can also help our muscles relax a little bit. And I think that if you can kind of relax your muscles and if you can unwind and handle stress and correct a nutritional deficiency all at the same time, that would be awesome because it's minimal intervention. It's actually giving your body something you need. It's like, I don't like this expression, but it's like killing, what does it say? Killing three birds with one stone. You know, it's like you're you're addressing multiple things if you can use something like magnesium. Um, So I usually like to start there because I think that sometimes that's all it is, is there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of stress, and there's not enough magnesium. So I usually go with magnesium first. Sometimes even before melatonin, I'll encourage herbs. Like there's so many herbs out there that are are sedatives. They'll help get you in that mood, you know, that mood to sleep, like valerian, hops, passion flower. Those are actually calming herbs. But sometimes even you might want to do some herbs that nourish your adrenal glands, you know, the ones that can blunt your cortisol response, like ashwagandha licorice, deglycerized licorice, because it will raise your blood pressure if you don't get the deglycerized kind. But licorice, ashwagandha, um, holy basil, these these herbs nourish your adrenal glands. And sometimes it's just that your circadian rhythms and your cortisol levels are way off and getting those back to normal can really help you to sleep at night. Um, Even something like another one that nourishes the adrenal glands is rhodiola, but typically I'll encourage people to take rhodiola during the day and they'll find that they have a more focused and calm day so that at night it's easier for them to go to bed. So I I usually start with magnesium and then herbs, even before I'll go to melatonin, you know, and again, I think of melatonin as really like a hormone that's putting you to bed. So Again, if you don't have all that sleep hygiene in place, I just don't think the foundation for sleeping in the long run over the lifetime of your life is really going to help you unless you have all these other things in play. I was reading an article this last week about melatonin supplementation and what to your point about that it does our body stops secreting it. I, the article oh, that I was that's true too. Yeah. You're, after a certain point, you're not making as much melatonin as you once did. Right. And yeah, they were talking about that it down-regulates the receptor sites. Melatonin, that they, so that's like, basically it was so that the key is there, but the lock isn't on. You know what I mean? Okay. So you're saying that it down-regulates the receptor sites so that you need only a little 
melatonin rather right. than needing more. Right. Okay, that's that's interesting. But I don't know if there's any scientific studies behind that. I was just it was an article I was reading. Yeah. I was actually there are, there are a lot of scientific studies on melatonin. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I I don't think I've really read about the one of how it really works and is that a dangerous thing? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I haven't read anything dangerous about it. But yeah, I think that's. I think the danger. One of the danger ones is five HTP. If they're on an SSRI. Right, absolutely. So 5-HTP is from tryptophan, which 5-HTP, tryptophan is an amino acid and then you it turns into 5-HTP and then it turns into serotonin and then serotonin where it can make melatonin in the darkness, serotonin in the light. And if you are on an SSRI, a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which is in general, a lot of the antidepressants that are on the market, and you take 5-HTP, then you will, which you will create more serotonin, and then you might have what's called serotonin syndrome, where you have you're making more serotonin, and you're also um, artificially stopping the serotonin from decreasing, so you get too much serotonin, and that can be a, a terrible thing. It's very rare, but we have to be careful. So you don't want to take 5-HTP or 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 any or like St. John's wort, which is another natural serotonin reuptake inhibitor when you're on an antidepressant. GABA, GABA's one. I like GABA. Yeah, GABA. I had a really good experience with GABA. I should maybe take some now, but I'm a mom of five and I've been pregnant or nursing, nursing sometimes through the night for the last, I don't know, 15 years. And I think somewhere along the line, maybe after my second baby, I took GABA and boy, did I have a nice deep restful sleep. I think someone, I think a supplement company gave it to me as a sample and I tried it. And I, I don't know why I should probably consider getting on it because GABA really is a great um, neurotransmitter. It helps calm you down, um, helps you... Helps you to handle stress. Yeah, I like GABA. I like uh, well tryptophan by itself. Not the five. I'm not a big fan of five HTP as much as I am the, the GABA. Why is uh, that, Tom? I don't know. I just didn't have. I didn't have much luck with. You know, like I said, I was taking myself off. I was weaning myself off an SSRI, and and I. I just didn't like the maybe because I was the five maybe it's because of the SSRI and the five HTP the serotonin syndrome part yeah. maybe I just didn't have a good reaction while I was doing that so I I kind of went to GABA and I really like my GABA I really do and and what's your experience of it when I you're just on- it's like happy it makes me happy yeah. To me, when I took it, I just felt rested. Yeah. I like like melatonin too. Like, you know, melatonin will make me fall asleep for sure. Um, And maybe it feels a little stronger than GABA. And maybe that's why I am thinking I should do GABA Uh versus the melatonin. You know, I like valerian too. I think it's good. It's really. Passion flower is a big one for me too. Valerian's real stinky though. It smells yeah. like stinky feet. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Did you have you ever smelled it, Tom? It's yes. real. It's smell. horrible. Just warning you all. <laughs> um, you know, in a capsule or in a liquid, you can smell it a mile away. Yep. It's not just stinky feet; it's strong stinky feet. Um, but that one, all that always makes me laugh. Yeah. I, so I, you know, honestly, I, I and this is something that. I played around with because I, you know, I, sometimes I have my human guinea pig for myself, for my clients, evidently, or some eventually for my clients. But I, I was trying, I read an article about progesterone cream. So I try. so one of the things I was doing when I was weaning myself off the SSRI was rubbing progesterone cream on my inner, on my inner arm here. Before I go to bed, what was that like? I mean, I I've never really 
given progesterone cream to a gentleman before. I've given it to that menopausal woman. Right. For sure, that's why it's happening. And she's having too little progesterone. I would just use a squirt. I wasn't using a lot. So I'd squirt it on my arm, rub it in, and it was calming. Yeah, and that's what that hormone does. Okay, interesting. And I I was reading an article on it. And uh-huh. I was like, I'm going to try it. So I went to you. The guy, the article had some that was available on Amazon. So I went to Amazon. Was, I mean, this wasn't made by a, a pharmacy. It was, it was made, a, 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 it was from Amazon. Uh-huh. And I bought it and had it shipped here, like Amazon Prime, like everybody else. And I started rubbing it on my, on my inner arm. And at, before I go to bed, and just call me. Just that with a GABA. And a little melatonin, I had like a cocktail going. Uh-huh. So I have a question from the listener that I wanted to address before we close out. She said, wake, she's waking up every two hours and sleeping great the next night. No pattern, no change of routine. She does take, a high, take medication for high blood pressure and cholesterol at the same time before bed. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I would love, I wish your listener could call in. I'd love to ask her a couple more questions. Like, you know, first of all, I mean, cholesterol medication can can cause aches and pains and pain, even little pain can keep people from sleeping. Right. So I'm thinking about that. But in general, most people take their not most people, but a lot of people take their blood pressure medication at night. Um, there's a higher incidence of heart attacks at night. So some medical doctors and pharmacists would recommend it at night versus in the day. Right, I, think, right. I don't think all people do it at night. I think most people are used to waking up and taking it. So I don't, I don't think that, that there's, I don't think that it's that. I don't think, I don't know if she's just saying that as an aside, but I don't think it's like that you're taking medications um, before bed. Yeah, there's some unanswered questions. In my idea, when I read this, there was when I read this question, it was there were some unanswered questions in there for me. Yeah. Like uh, you know, like what did she eat that day? Right. You know, sugars. What about sugars? What kind of sugar she I mean? Right. Uh, no, exactly. That's where I think you should look is you say that there's no changed pattern, but that's what you should look for. You should look for if there's any change pattern. Maybe right. you're only referring to when you go to sleep, but you know, look at other things. Look at how often were you on the computer? Did you have a stressful call that day? Right. Um, you know, like what Tom said, what did you eat? You know, anything can really change that. Did you exercise? You know, do you go to Zumba class every other day? You know, there might be some correlation. Right. Like I remember uh, when, I, this is me about me again, but I, I was, and I was didn't think about it at the time because I go work out at 6.30 at night, but I was taking a pre-workout. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, so I, one night I was like laying, laying awake at one in the morning going, hey. And I thought to myself, God, I gotta stop taking that pre-workout at 6.30 before I go to work. <laughs> <laughs> dummy, you big dummy. <laughs> no, but you're not a big dummy, Tom, because I did the same thing one time. You know, the licorice that I had mentioned, um, of course, if you have high blood pressure, you shouldn't take it unless you get the deglycerized form because it will raise your blood pressure up a little. But my blood pressure is normally a little lower than normal. So I took cortisol. I mean, I took licorice thinking, okay, I'm, you know, this was in medical school. I was thinking, oh, okay, cortisol is going to help me because I'm stressed out. I'm in medical school. I think it will help me with my adrenal glands. But what it actually, and so I was taking it at night thinking like it's calming, but actually what it does is it increases the half-life of cortisol. So it kind of makes cortisol more powerful so that you don't secrete more but that should really only happen in the morning. And so I was drinking licorice at night, every night, and then not sleeping. And then when I started switch, when I switched it to taking it in the in the morning, then I was sleeping great. Okay. And I had lots of energy. So I don't think that, you know, you just gotta, you're, you gotta look, you gotta take a look at what you're doing. Everything affects you and you have to really sometimes get in tune with it. You have to like ask yourself. Uh, the other thing I really like is CBD. 
Oh yeah, that's great. So that helps. CBD yeah. helped a lot. Yeah. So CBD is cannabidiol. It's the part of the cannabis cannabis plant that is not psychoactive. Um, and what these cannabidiols do is they bring your body back to homeostasis back to balance. So a lot of us who are not sleeping, it may have started with something like pregnancy. Like for example, with me, my sleeping got really bad after I had my children. And then it just went on from there. I was, I'd be pregnant and not able to sleep. Then I'd be a new mom with a new baby and not able to sleep. Then a new mom with a bigger baby that's nursing in the middle of the night. Then a mom with bigger children that are leaving their bedrooms and coming into your bed at night. <laughs> and so and so I really think that my sleeping patterns took me way out of balance. But when you take CBD, it kind of brings you back to where you were before. I just got through watching the webinar you did. Oh, great. Thank you for watching it. Yeah, of course. Uh, maybe we should do an episode on CBD sometime. Yeah, I'd love to. It's been talk. a while since I've done CBD. I did one with Dr. Dr. Cabral, Stephen yeah. Cabral. Yeah, I mean, there's always so many different, you know, I've, uh, you know, some people say I'm an expert on CBD, but like I have listened to many doctors talk about it because we all have our different takes. Right. You know? There's always more information about the same topic that you can glean. And there's, more and more research coming out because I think there is such an excitement surrounding it. So I would love to do a CBD talk with you, Tom. Okay, good. All right, let's wrap this up. And uh, I appreciate you coming on once again. And I love it when you come on and it's, it's always good information and you're so chill. Oh, thank you, Tom. Uh, and I think, I think I asked you this question the last time. What album or artist would you listen to if you had a few minutes to chill? Yeah, last time I said Bob Marley. Yeah, um, of course, that's, that's a good go-to anytime, though. Yeah, that's a good go-to anytime. If I had to chill, like, I mean, I think lately my house is so noisy with my five loud daughters and um, half of them, or at least the two older ones, are into hip-hop and my younger ones are into, like, pop music and so I don't have much space for music anymore but I do remember or most recently I went over to a friend of mine's house and she had a massage therapist had just left her home and the massage therapist had turned Enya onto her um nice. onto her um like her cable TV. It was like an Enya station. At first, it honestly made me laugh because, you know, when in the 90s, I think we associated Enya with like the new age movement and it kind of cheesy. Before, I started to really dig it. <laughs> <laughs> I started to really like sit there and I was like, wow, I can kind of chill out to this. So I don't know. Enya is what comes to mind right now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. I really enjoy being on your show. Yep. It's, it's a pleasure having you anytime, anytime. Thanks to all the Rebel Health listeners. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.